Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Eduardo, thank you very much. Let's get to our guest, Max Bonduri, CEO at SGMC Capital. Max, we've seen some fairly solid gains here in Hong Kong and Chinese equities of late, but we've also seen a lot of stop-and-go policy in China on, on COVID, on, on tech regulation, and indeed even on how to deal with the property crisis. Uh, how much can we believe that China is now firmly moving away from its uh, – it's zero COVID policies. Well, we're seeing steps in the right direction. Whether they're actually absolutely going to walk away from zero COVID, that still remains to be seen. But at least you're seeing steps in the right direction again. Uh, if you look at the movements we've seen in the equity market, it seems like we may have put a bottom in. Um, finally, I would say, after uh, two years, which have been pretty tough. And if you look from a relative basis, there still is a lot of underperformance to catch up. Therefore, as much as the short term will continue to be bumpy and driven by headlines, and you're going to see uh, big gains and big losses within any given day, we think from here on, the situation is quite constructive for Chinese equities, and we expect gains to continue from here to the end of the year. Bumpy. Here's, how's this for a bump? Um, estimations of 45 million daily cases. What does that mean for absenteeism and supply chain disruption? Uh, well, again, in, in terms of the numbers, yes, it's, it's important. It will have a repercussion. But the bigger repercussion in terms of supply chain was the fact that as of now it was zero COVID. And basically that was something which was overhanging the whole system. If you're moving towards a narrative whereby actually we can live with COVID, and yes, there will be people which are not going to be present at work when they actually do have COVID. But overall, the system is fine in living with it. Then that already sends a positive message. And as much as maybe for a few weeks, things could be slower because of higher cases. Uh, if you look at the overarching picture, if that remains more constructive, then actually supply chain, supply chain issues can ease down over the coming months. Max, I'm curious about, you know, some of these gashes that we've seen in the way that we used to do business, uh, how how deep and far reaching they, they will be. So supply chains is one big part of it. But even globalization aspects of of friendliness uh, between China and many Western uh, countries uh, also uh, in the labor force, whether or not people feel comfortable, older people, do they feel comfortable going back to work in the age of, of the pandemic? How much of this passes? How much of it stays with us for maybe a long time, even a decade? It will stay with us for even longer than that. Let, let's be honest. We live in a deglobalizing world. So globalization was up until, I would say, maybe five, six years back, give or take. Uh, since then, we're actually living in a world which is becoming a lot more focused on internal uh, management of, of demand and supply. And it's going to keep going that way, unfortunately. And things will become, if you want, harder. So 
we have seen that countries do not want to rely on other countries for, for the production of, of goods and of supply chains. And we have seen that issues that countries have been experiencing. And that, of course, feeds into this whole rhetoric of the reshoring, especially within the U.S. We're seeing a lot of the production moving back to the U.S. But and Matt, the truth is that, again, that yeah. isn't all of that inevitably inflationary? And does it mean that inflation will be entrenched? We don't go back to uh, the, the, the great moderation that we saw over the previous maybe 15 years. Well, not necessarily. Likely in the short term, yes, because you do have to get in those production systems uh, up and running. So, of course, short term, it will be uh, inflationary. But longer term, if you manage to have everything, if you want in-house within your country and within basically your boundaries and it's something which is efficient, longer term can actually be deflationary. Of course, it all depends on how you're positioning yourselves and how well you build up those, those production chains and those supply chains. And I mean, the U.S. Is, is doing so far seems like the right steps. Some other countries probably not as much. But short term, yes, they will have inflationary pressures because you have to set everything up. But longer term, it doesn't need to be if, if you do it in, in a smart way. Yeah, so a lot to consider here. And, and short term, a lot of bumps in the road as well around uh, the China reopening story, around uh, how entrenched inflation is going to be and, and the nearshoring debate also. So with that in mind, uh, where do you look for opportunities? What sectors do you put money to work in? Yeah. Well, fixed income continues to remain very attractive in the corporate space. Government space, not so much because uh, treasuries have moved down in terms of rates uh, already quite a bit. They're probably too low now. But corporate bonds continue to offer interesting relative and absolute yields. Look at the value of the curve again, the four to six years kind of space. We are continuing to add on to that, especially in the subordinated space, because you're seeing corporate spreads tightening. And that, of course, you're going to have a multiplier effect if you look at the subordinated space. In terms of equity, we have already talked about China. Uh, in terms of U.S., we have actually taken a bit of profits over the last few weeks, and we would like to uh, wait for further uh, corrections or potentially better entry levels before uh, using the liquidity that we have available. Are there some good opportunities uh, for corporate bonds in Asia if the dollar weakens from here, if we've, if we've seen the peak in the, in the greenback and we'll see some local currency stability or local currency growth even in Asia? If dollar continues depreciating or at least staying at these levels and not appreciating further, yes, of course, that is going to be a positive for a number of uh, the Asian economies and especially emerging markets in general. We're not yet completely bullish on emerging markets because we think it's a little bit too early. The time will come, but not just yet. Probably it will come in, in the second half of next year because things have to be get a little bit worse before they get better. But in terms of the Asian names, um, current spreads are very wide. Uh, therefore, putting some money at work on some of the more solid, more reputable names within the fixed income space definitely does make sense. And, and a further dollar depreciation is just going to help. Well, we've got some important data points out this week, not the least of which US CPI, followed by a Fed decision and a new set of dots. So where, where do you stand on the question of recession risk in the US? We see recession probability as quite high. Um, but that's not going to be particularly relevant. What is going to be more relevant is how deep and how long the recession goes for. Aware of the idea that we should probably end it relatively quicker than the previous recessions. We don't see it a completely high recession, but we don't even see a big drag down on, on growth. Um, in terms of the plots and the dots of um, upcoming Fed, 
they might probably want to sound a little bit more hawkish than they have done in the past, just because of the movements you have seen in rates and, and in the equities market. But overall, we don't expect narrative to move too much. Max, you sound pretty comfortable. You sound like you're, you're, you're pretty okay with current conditions. I mean, I almost wish I had you to tuck me in at night. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> what, what are you worried about over the next 6 to 12 months? I am very worried about things out there in the market. It's not like I do not see risks and we do not see risks. Clearly, risks are there. But as long as you know what the risks are and you can put a probability to it, then automatically you can you can um, use the capital that you have available. I mean, clearly, geopolitical risks are the ones that, that we keep looking out for. And again, we're not out of the woods. Uh, we're not saying that from here on we're going to have a, a nice rally in equities and, uh, and in bonds. Uh, we do think that things will get tougher in Q1 and Q2 of next year. But you know much better than me that uh, the market discounts things earlier, right? So probably when you're going to feel the real economic pain in Main Street, which is going to come over the next two quarters, give or take, the market might have already discounted that. It might already be looking at the future and you might have a big decoupling in terms of the financial conditions in the market and in, in the real economy like we have seen in the, during 2020 COVID. And uh, second half of next year might not be as bad as uh, some of the people think. All right, uh, Max Bondori, thanks for looking into your crystal ball for us. Max is CEO at SGMC Capital. Thanks for joining us on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And uh, one of the big variables with all the geopolitical risk as well, the oil price. Uh, we got WTI trading a little weaker again, 71.76 right now. We'll take a closer look at markets for you in just a moment. Suffice to say, it's looking like a risk-off day around the region again. The US dollar showing a little bit of strength, though. A closer look in just a moment. This is Bloomberg. Yep, the Bloomberg Dollar Spot Index putting on a quarter of 1%. So a pretty big move this morning on a Monday. Dollar yen, 136.92. The euro at $1.511. This is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.